What's your name? I'm Alexa. What are you in the mood for? River Radio. Now let's air it. Windsor, Ascot, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Wokingham, Henley, Reading. Okay. The voice. River Radio. Of the Thames Valley. Good morning and welcome to this show, Let's Do Lunch, with me, Jenny Tishy. Now, I am a registered nutritionist and a cookery book author, but I'm also an absolute foodie. And this show, I invite a series of guests onto the show who are experts in their field. They could be food producers, they could be photographers, they might be nutritionists, they might be sports people. I've interviewed Olympians and other levels of sport too, and the relationship to food. Now, today I am due to be joined um, by Alex. Now, Alex is the founder of Bray Cured, but... Alex is not yet here, so I'm going to give him an introduction and then I will have to go and see if I can allocate Alex and then see if we can get back to you and give you a show today. Uh, So um, Alex, just to give you a bit of background, um, he runs a company called Bray Cured and as the name suggests, he makes charcuterie. And he's been doing this for more than a decade now, but only recently set up the business. So he set the business up, I think it was 2021. And of course, it's only down the road in Bray, which is a a village synonymous with great food, if we think about the other foodie businesses that exist in Bray. Um, Prior to founding Bray Cured, Alex had a variety of different jobs. He's at various points been a chef, a medieval historian, a corporate consultant, a product designer, and also a semi-professional football manager. So I'd love to know how he got to do what he gets to do today, but we can't ask him because he's not here. So allow me to try and entertain you for just a a wee while longer and I'll see if I can locate Alex and see what's going on. But uh, we'll do our best to bring you a show today. Right. 
Okay, we are back. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to this. I have found my guest. Um, you probably here, heard me yeah. <laughs> finding my guest in the background. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Do you know what? That's what live radio is all about. It's, it's about you rise to the challenge. <laughs> you do indeed. I'm I'm very used to it. I've done plenty of live stuff in the past, but it's um wonderful to have you here, it's Alex. Lovely to be here. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have done a bit of an introduction, and I think anybody listening will probably understand that I'm very intrigued. I, I've given an introduction and for those of you that are just joining this foodie podcast and um, we're talking about or we're talking to Alex today from Breakyard who at various points has been a chef a medieval historian a corporate consultant a product designer and also a semi-professional footballer I don't think I've ever met anybody with such a varied CV so how on earth have you come to be curing meat for a living well I, th- I think actually the variety part of the variety is not actually finding what I was really very good at until quite late on. So I was doing quite a lot of things kind of half okay and then and then not that well. Um, when I was a corporate consultant, what I, what I actually focused on was employee engagement. So understanding what makes people tick and what they want to do. Mm. Um, and so you know, turning that on myself, what, what, I, what really made me tick work-wise was this combination of doing something that you're passionate about, but also doing something that had a feeling of sort of meaning or significance, but not in a not in a kind of global sense, a CSR type of sense, but what's personally important to you. Yeah. Um, and then also something that can pay the bills. And, and everything that I've done has been a kind of an attempt to tick all three boxes and not quite not quite doing it for one way or another. Um, what brings me to charcuterie is it's, it's the passion for the product. I love food and I've loved it for a long time. And, mm. and, and, and that's why I went into to food. Uh, lots of people are really passionate about food. Running... Your own business, I think, brings a significance to me. I'm, my dad's an entrepreneur. I'm, I've been around businesses that he's run since I was little, and mm-hmm. you know, schoolwork experiences, all in that kind of stuff. Weekends were all in, in that kind of stuff since I've been really small. And so you get to a point where you're running your own thing, and it's in food, and it starts to tick all the boxes because it means something to you. Uh, paying the bills is, is another thing. But maybe we'll get all three in the end. And yeah. Two out of three ain't bad in the meantime. And do you know what I love about that is that sometimes I think, you know, I've got kids and they're going through career choices at the yeah. moment. And sometimes you think you have to be linear in your choices. But actually, it's almost like you have a set of criteria that you're looking to meet. So you're trying different things to work out which one fits best. Yeah, I don't think it's that conscious. I think I think it's, it's really nice to rationalise it like that now because it makes me feel really comfortable with with where I'm at, I, at various points, I would have loved it if it was more linear. I think mm. there's times when you look at what you're doing and think, what on earth? Why am I doing this? Or this isn't delivering this. Um, and I think for me and for a lot of people, the pandemic, if there were, you know, lots of lots of awful things about it, but one quite good thing about it was the space to, to look at that and, and answer some questions about, you know, what, what exactly are we doing here and how yeah. are we going to do it for and also, um, like, what makes me tick? Yeah, exactly. You know, you've got a little bit of time, I think, regardless of what profession you were in, other than perhaps the medical profession, more people had time to think uh, about yeah, what they, they wanted they, to do they really with their lives. The pressure on. Yeah, it, it, it gave a bit of space, and I think um, just an opportunity, well, not commuting, maybe not spending as much money, mm. uh, it just kind of gave you enough space to think, is this, is this what I want to be doing, or how long do I want to be doing this for? Yeah. Um, and sort of kind of 
preempt the midlife crisis by, by <laughs> get there first. By kind of yeah, doing, <laughs> just getting getting out and doing something different initially. So I should say that uh, what's going on in the background here is Alex has actually brought a whole load of goodies. With I don't him. know if how rustly this a, is. A yeah, proper sure. advantage of doing a show yeah, called Let's Do Lunch. I'm pretty annoyed if I'm a listener and I'm hearing plastic crackle all over. Oh, the place. So I'm that's the best kind of sound. I'm trying I... to do this really subtly. If um, I could actually show you, and I I will try and take photos and share these photos with you. I mean, taking photos of food in a radio studio it never really lends itself to. But maybe if we make a few, uh, you know, sort of um, <laughs> noises that suggest yeah, that. <laughs> what can, this looks up, like. I can up the rustling. I can, I can, do you want me to tell you what we've got? Let's, yeah, please um, do. We've got a, a couple of things. We've kind of got some smoky, smoky almonds. I get these from um, one of the re- refill uh, wagons. You know, you go to places and they do the packaging-free yes. things. Yeah. So the one that goes to Cookham is called the Refill Hub, and they do... Lovely, lovely smoked almonds, and they're a fantastic charcuterie board thing. So we kind of oh, put them on everything. Wow! But yeah, great. I don't know if you can try one. Yeah, I mean, of course I can try one. That's great. Do you know what? I've, I've done food shows before. I think it's all good. It's oh, all good. Oh, be Guys, these taste amazing. By the time <laughs> they get round to feeding back about it, they can do anyway. Oh my golly, so, they're so some good. Smoked almonds, and then we've got this is um, Wigmore, which is a cheese from Village Made. It comes from uh, just outside Reading. Oh, okay. And we've been smoking this just to make it taste mm. a little bit different. It's lovely anyway. What, so you take the cheese that's made by someone else, but then you smoke it yourself? Yeah, I mean, this is just for the house. This isn't mm. for... Um, but we were smoking it whilst we were smoking some of our products, so we had a bit of space on the shelves, so we started throwing, let's pop that in throwing there as the well. cheese on, um, because you might as well use up all the shelves. I love that. So is there a limit to what you can smoke? Uh, yeah, well, it's so we, we, this is cold smoking. So we're we're doing something that stays below a certain temperature, and mm-hmm. but so so cheese is good for that because it's you don't want it to melt everywhere. Of um, course, yeah. <laughs> you want the flavour of the smoke without yeah, the heat. Little, so smoke. we should have some sort of gen- gentle smoking, which mm-hmm. should be mostly on the rind, and then we won't have melted the cheese. Ideal world. I mean, it'd be quite nice to melt the cheese if we were. Um, if we were going to eat it there and then, but since wow. I was bringing it here, let me try some of this. This is amazing. Get all those controls out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Let's focus on the, on the prime here. So the, the, the third thing we've got the there cheese. is um, oh, wow. uh, some of our air dried beef. So we get this beef from just outside Henley. So oh super God. local and um, raised in a really nice way. It's longhorn beef, so it's a good old traditional British roasting breed. Mm. And it's just salt, pepper, and, and wine from near Twyford. Oh my um, gosh! So you really are. Hitting the kind of local button here. It's yeah, very much. Yeah, I think you have to. Um, <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Sorry. Just bashing the equipment. Um, I think you kind, you kind of have to. If you, we sort of look at it like what's happened with gin and beer and and wine and cheese in the UK over the last sort of twenty years. I love this beef. This, good, this is incredible. It? I do like the beef. What did you say you put with this? It's just it's salt and pepper and, and, and uh, wine, and, and it's pretty much wine. It. That's for the sweetness. Yeah. So mm. the wine's. Um, it's Cricket Grove wine. It's from Stanlake Park. Mm. Um, those mm-hmm. guys is a lovely, lovely kind of tap room that they've got. It's not a tap room, is it? But I don't know what to describe it as. Why? Um, like, would you go to all of these people and then try the produce and then work out what's going to work with your product? Is that yeah, how because it works? that means you get to have wine and cheese and, and almonds and things. Why wouldn't and you? It's your job. <laughs> I love this job. Drinking this is and eating take bits more and than... pieces. And, yeah, no, absolutely. In fact, there's a fourth box about just wanting to eat lots of nice things, <laughs> and, and it does that as well. That is incredible. Oh nice. yeah, thank gosh, you very that much. beef is phenomenal. Nice. No, 90% of what we do is the, is the produce and the place mm. where it comes from, and then you just try it and not uh, try and bring the best out of it. Yeah. It's, it's I'm going to keep the fork if that's okay, because I might have to yeah, come back for some do, more yeah. at some I'll point. Try, I'll, I don't know. Well, we'll, Shout we'll me if you back. need some more. I'll pass it back <laughs> over. We're together for an hour. We've got yeah. time. We've got eating time. So, um, 
obviously you do have that you've got the beef um Tom, talk to me about the other products that you do because i've been the lucky recipient of multiple of your yeah. cured products mm. um so we've been as we've been finding really good local producers we've been adding on more meats mm-hmm. so um pork's the classic uh we get some really lovely middle white pork and um we do we do the kind of old school classics so the coppers and the lomos and things that we just inherited from from the european tradition and we, we do a few kind of new bits and pieces as well where we try and do something a little bit different. So putting um, British cheeses in the salamis and, and things like that. Cheese so, in the salami. Wow. Yeah, it's nice. If Love anything it. that ages well, mm. it, um, it works pretty nicely. So if, if it's going to taste better in, I don't know, 18 months than it does straight away, then it's going to be good in a salami. It's yeah. got the starter culture in there and it all you know, mm. kind of works. Um, then we've got, what did we add next? We found some really lovely hoggets. Over from that's just outside Marlow where that's raised. Wow, I didn't know. Um, there's a cool story about why that why that is there, um, which we might maybe get time for later. Is it out towards Danesfield? Am I thinking um, that right, or Med- the, not Medmanum? that direction? Med- yes, Medmanum. I know. Yeah. Yes, uh, the lady's on the Marlow Market at times. Yeah, Bill. Yeah. Ah, got it. Yeah, Bill from um, Chilton Lamb. So, yeah. but the interesting bit is not the, the, the lamb aspect of that. I think the the story with that is that there's. The landowner has given the fields over to biodiversity, so it's a f- they call it a flower meadow, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not an expert in. But it, my understanding of it is that uh, what they grow there encourages a variety of insects, and there's a variety of interesting plants and things. And what they needed to do in order to kind of um, well use the space uh, further to what they were already doing, and also manage things like this, the amount of grass there yeah. was bringing breeds of sheep that were really comfortable foraging up and down the hills. The hills are quite steep up there. And yeah, they are. Yeah. So there's things like herdwicks coming down from Cumbria and all kinds of interesting breeds that they've got there, which are sort of either heritage breeds or rare breeds. Mm. Um, and they, they don't kind of do it intensively. There's a lot of, um, of, 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 of animals that are going beyond the sort of boundary of, of where there'd be lamb into mm-hmm. hogget and, and mutton. And hogget works really nicely for us for charcuterie because it's got some texture and it's got a little bit more... Um, a little bit more oomph to it, mm-hmm. um, and if you're careful with how you age it, it's it's really lovely. And do you add anything to that? Or yeah, what, for sure. What you we, we, we pair it with the. We try and pair that one with the um, the herbs that they're foraging. Oh so gosh, you, it, it makes yeah, so much sense. It's it? like yeah. well, they call it. Um, it's their equivalent of salt marsh lamb. So if, when yeah. you eat the when you cook it, you'll get a little bit of a, a waft of the kind of wild oregano and the, and the thyme and things that they're grazing on, um, yeah. and we just put more of the same in. So yeah. it just brings the flavour out a bit more. So it's, it's yarrow and things like that, unusual bits and pieces of, of, Wh- of whatever's herbs. in the meadow. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly the meadow stuff. And then I think we do a we do a salami as well, where we make that a little bit more like a merguez. So it's all the flower meadow stuff, and then just loads of cumin and garlic. Um, oh, wow! So that yeah, that's a nice, really nice thing to work with all that hogget coming out of there. And, yeah. and there's no, um, there's not enough demand for hogget because mm. people. It, a lot of people are new to it. People go into butchers and go, give me some lamb. And the butchers don't necessarily ha- you know, um, ha- have a commercial reason to, to encourage you to think about hogget. Um, it's easier to sell lamb, which means there's more hogget going around, which means more of it needs to be used, which is great for us. Yeah, so I was going to say, why is that? Do you think it's people's lack of knowledge? Or um, do you think it, it's supermarkets that have done that, where think, we get forced down certain channels when we buy food? I think, it's a, I think first and foremost, it's a taste thing. I think um, there's... So you go around, you know, doing all the markets and things. You find out uh, bits about what people's tastes are that's quite that are quite surprising. And, and there's a, there's a decent kind of sect of the population that d- that isn't that keen on lamb. Mm. And when it has lamb, it wants it to be 
quite mild as, or as mild as possible and, and yeah. obviously the, the the further you go into hogget and then into mutton it's um it's getting more texture and it's getting more flavor so for for that group of people it's maybe not um the best and i think maybe you've got a hangover as well with the mutton thing where you know it's the it well it's the the, the archetypal tough meat isn't it yeah. and hogget's really not like that and especially not when it's reared like this i mean i've 100% urge people to, to roast some some hogget like if, you, if you're getting it from a good source it's amazing but wow. um yeah. I see I, I, again I'm guilty of that I don't prepare hogget I possibly have eaten some I'm not sure I, get, uh, I, get, I don't think it's something to be guilty of. I mean you struggle to find it yeah you, you but, but I mean I know it. now yeah. where I should be getting it so yeah, yeah I yeah. will be doing that that's brilliant they've done a great sales job on hogget today thanks that's what <laughs> that I came that's what I came down here for was to <laughs> exactly to not and, my own product. trying to shift some hogget <laughs> So you've got pork, you've got hogget, you've got this wonderful beef. Um, yeah. I was a bit busy eating the beef when yeah. you told me where it's from. Uh, what cattle are they? It's, long, it's Longhorn. So mm-hmm. the, the Longhorn is the is one of the original kind of big um, British roasting beef things. Mm-hmm. So the things that made British beef famous. One of those was the, was the Longhorn, and it's it's just a great it's just a great animal. Um, yeah. There's a few people raising them really nicely. There's some over in Herefordshire. Um, that we that, that I'd used for for a long time is really good. There's a great supplier um, just outside uh, Henley as well. Um, so we're we're really blessed here with the with the suppliers that we've got doing people doing things in the right way so that the animals are looked after. Yeah. Um, the the breeds are a, a really good breeds. They're heritage breeds. So and that that's for us is quite important in the charcuterie as well that we're using something that that has a little bit of a bit of heritage and a bit of place to the breed. Mm. Um, saying that. The more that charcuterie grows in the, in the UK, the more important it's going to be for, for regions to be distinctive. Absolutely. Because um, it's the niche of, you know, this is British charcuterie is only going to be niche for a, a short period of time, especially if, you know, the priority of producers is to knock out chorizo mm. or, you know, pretty similar stuff, just copy and paste stuff from, from Europe. Um, so having stuff that, you know, it's different because it's come from this place. Yeah. Is, is quite important. It's going to be more and more important. I, I, I love that. I have a, a family member that lives in Aveyron in the south of France mm-hmm. and a very big meat area, yeah. but you can really define that area by the type of charcuterie that you get there by comparison to somewhere else, yeah. you know, another region of the country. Absolutely. And it's not to say that we, 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 we have that in the UK already, but we have it in areas of our more, maybe more traditional charcuterie like uh, black pudding, for example. Mm. So a very black pudding is going to be totally different from a stone away. Um, and, and just the, the, the stuff that goes around it, as well as just the taste of it and the way it's put together, the, the food tradition about eating it. So one of the best food experiences you can get in the Northwest is to go to Berry Market, mm. find one of the people um, poaching black pudding. So they're not poaching it. You get it on a, everybody, almost everybody, especially down here, mm-hmm. is going to be used to having it sliced and then fried. Yeah. And you can't beat stone away for that. It's amazing. But... You go up to Berry, you get a polystyrene tray, you get a poached black pudding in the tray with some pickle lily. Poached. You just sort of cut the, yeah, you mm. cut the, the skin of it open. It gets really sort of tight, the pressure builds up in it. Mm. And then when you open it up, it's just really soft. It's like, um, oh. like uh, almost like pureed black pudding. Oh, it's quite, uh, yes. It's, say it's crumbly, but it's more than crumbly. It's kind of, it's on its way to being pureed. And then you yes. mix it with a pickle lily. Walk around this brilliant food market that they've got in Berry, freezing and probably getting rained on and, and enjoying this. Um, you know, amazing meal out of a polystyrene tray. It sounds very similar to something I had in uh, Normandy yeah. on, a, on a market and I wasn't quite sure what I was eating. Uh, the and so Boudin Noir. Yes, yeah. exactly. And someone yeah. actually told me, oh, okay, well, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, so, so question for you. So when you started out, you started mm-hmm. um, 
curing your own meats 10 years ago you said um and yet your business started a bit more recently yeah, than more recently yeah. yeah so when you started out did you realize sort of the abundance that we had around us in this area i mean i can hear an accent here so you're not from here no, originally not, not so, no. <laughs> this wasn't the reason you moved here was it no it wasn't i didn't i didn't come here just because of the, the plethora of um, outstanding local <laughs> producers i so i'm from Accrington in lancashire right um and moved to london uh for for work uh just before the Olympics, I think date everything from the Olympics was quite soon after we got there. Yeah, and then came out here about three years ago, oh, um, wow. and, f- and found all this um, brilliant stuff. That wasn't really the reason for getting into it. I was doing it anyway. It's just, mm. you know, and there's great suppliers, you know, all over the country. We're, one of the things that that makes British charcuterie such an interesting thing is that we've got access to amazing meat. Yeah, and our meat's well, like world world class, and our charcuterie is in some. There's some amazing producers, but it will become really world-class because of the quality of the meat that we have. So, so we've done this anywhere in the UK and had amazing producers. And had amazing, but, yeah, of but course. But we've got some really lovely ones here. Yeah, and of course, like you say, it's sort of the um, what the animals eat in the Chilterns mm. is going to be different from what the animals have available to them to eat in another yeah, part. for sure. Yeah. So when you were in London, um, I guess you were able to probably procure food from, uh, you know, raw ingredients from all around. Mm-hmm. So you get a variety, yeah. and you can still get that variety here, of sure. course, but why, why would you? Because you yeah. can use stuff that's on your doorstep. Exactly. I think it's, it's, it's really important to be... It, it, it comes back to having... When you go and, and get charcuterie around Italy, you've got, you know, Calabria is amazing for the Anduja, and mm. then um, the obviously the Parma ham is coming out of Parma, and the Culatello is coming from the places where they don't make Parma ham so well mm-hmm. um, because of the atmospheric conditions. And if... And that's the way it's going to go. It's mm. it's it's using all those um, local ingredients, local inspirations in terms of, you know. I mean, we do some recipes for charcuterie. We do a venison one that's like a it's like a cacao spiced venison with cardamom and bay and things. And the inspiration from that was that we we kind of lifted it and re re redid um, an atoll culture recipe because you know he does amazing venison. He's always got an amazing venison um, recipe on the menu. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we can just. Tweet, tweet one of those and make it some yeah. charcuterie. And so whether it's the inspiration of the stuff that's around you in the food community or whether mm. it's the, the ingredients themselves, there's so much here to draw on. Mm. And doing that will make, ultimately, the more we do it and then more people, as, as more charcuterie businesses come in, there'll be a way of doing things in this area. Mm-hmm. And then when you buy charcuterie from here, it'll be like that, like buying a Lancashire cheese because you like yeah. Lancashire cheese. It'll be specific to this area. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I that's love that idea. Brilliant. Right. Well, we're just going to take a brief pause. I would love to find out a little bit about, you know, kind of how you got into this in the first place, um, because I think that's a really interesting story. So we'll come back in just a moment. Windsor, Windsor, Ascot, Ascot, Maidenhead, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Bracknell, Wokingham, Wokingham, Henley, Henley, Reading. Reading. Okay. The Voice. River Radio. Of the Thames Valley. Welcome back to this show, Let's Do Lunch, with me, Jenny Tishy. I am a nutritionist, but an absolute foodie and recipe book author. And today I'm very lucky to be joined by Alex from Braycured. And we have been tasting some beautiful smoked charcuterie. We've had some beef and just quite simple by the sounds of it with wine and uh, and seasoning you yeah said, this just, one's this one's as simple as it gets yeah i love that it's um, been yet you can really taste the raw ingredients and that's the important part of this isn't it yeah well we, you know we love beef in this country as well and and just having it like that it's almost like a what you can do and I, this, this never actually makes it onto the stall or anything but once you've cured it 
um, chopping a little bit up like a Thai Thai that's been cured is just an amazing thing to do. And it's, it's so simple and yeah. you just really taste the, the beef, which is yeah, what we're here for with beef. And we, we've been talking um, just earlier in this uh, podcast about how important this is charcuterie is going to become and how regional it's going to be mm-hmm. become. So that when you're in a particular region, obviously here we are, you know, we're in Marlow in Buckinghamshire, but we're very lucky to be surrounded by the Chilterns. Sure. We've got some beautiful, beautiful animals, rare breed animals um, mm-hmm. that are being able to, um, you know, you can taste the, 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 the flora of the uh, meadows in which they graze um, in the meats that you're then kind of enhancing that by putting more of the, the wild oregano and the thyme and things into the meat. But like, how on earth did you start even doing this in the first place? Like, what was the thought process that led you to be even doing it for yourself 10 years ago and furthermore to build a business around it? Yeah, um, I think the, so the first stuff I, I got going was um, was just doing it in a fridge and, and doing it um, doing it to extend cooking. So going through recipe books and looking for things to um, to cook and enjoy and finding occasionally you start bumping into some some cured ingredients mm. and then going from that into okay so what can we um, get started with what can we try and the first thing I ever cured I think was was duck I had a, a project going for a while to just use a whole duck as as thoroughly as possible wow. and that's if you if you go to the kind of um, the beginnings of charcuterie and what it's about. It's about extending shelf life. Yes, so, yeah, so pres- preservation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're not going to graze animals through the winter mm-hmm. and then you're going to have to make sure that the, the meat lasts longer than the animals do and, and mm. that you can do that whilst you can't grow things. So um, within that, you've got all the different sort of subsets of the charcuterie. Yes, you've got the salamis and the hams and things, but you've also got um, the pâtés and, and things like that. And um, the project was trying to break down a whole duck into as many things as possible. So by the you work through it and you've got okay, we've got stock out of it which we can mm-hmm. I mean, we can freeze, which is not very traditional, but we can still do it. So we freeze that. Um, we've got all the fat which we can use to cook the roast potatoes later or whatever of else. Course. We're going to do water cooker confit in. We can confit some legs, or mm-hmm. we can make ham out of the legs. Um, we can make pate, or and we can make roulettes out of everything else that mm-hmm. we can find. Uh, we can yeah. confit the gizzards. We can make ham out of the duck breasts. We can mm-hmm. smoke some of that ham so that we've got a couple of different things there. And yeah. you end up and you've made you know six or seven or eight different products out of the duck, which will then last for you know two or three weeks. And if you do it around something like I think I think it was Christmas maybe that we were doing this for, mm-hmm. and you've got all these nice bits coming out of the cupboard for you know various points across the whole season. And it feels it connects you with you know the reason that you would be doing the charcuterie. It's the right time of year to be doing yeah. it. It's it's elevating a few different meals across the season it was just a really cool thing to do and that was that was getting bitten by the bug for me yeah. and then you go into other things from there and from a nutritional perspective as yeah. well there's the kind of the win from the perspective of you're eating you know really nutritious food when your body needs it most mm. you know animal fat our body recognizes it knows how to break down and it's a you know it's a, it's a positive thing to be consuming eating the whole animal of course we know that i don't know can you again excuse my ignorance but um can you cure i'm sure you can organ meats um have you tried <laughs> i think you so you've got you've got examples of that within charcuterie but it's, it tends to be done in, in slightly different ways so um i don't know if you would it be more sort of pâtés and riettes than it would be? Um, well, yeah, you I mean yeah. So you get them into pâtés and things mm. like that, and you get them into um, andouillette sausage yeah. in France, with, so which is really really gone for it with that mm. one. But that's a cooked one, so you'd have the, maybe more like the cooked charcuteries being where you'd see more of the 
more of the kind of proper offal. Yeah. But you can do things like um, onglet steak, hanger yes, steak, which yes. is a is muscular, but it, it mm. kind of gets pushed into the offal bracket a little bit mm. when people are selling it. But that cures really nicely. That's a, that's a lovely brasola um, oh, from wow. onglet. Um, so, yeah, you, you can get everything. Gizzards from a duck, comfy really nicely. Yes. But again, that's a, a cooking process rather than like a yeah. cure and dry. Yeah. But, yeah, oh, you can okay. use everything. It's just using all the different kind of facets of the charcuterie biz. Oh, that's brilliant. And so then what was it that sort of pushed you over the edge, if you like, into, you know, was it 2021 that you started yeah. Bray Cured? Yeah. Um, so what was the, the, the process that, I mean, you, you mentioned the pandemic and some thinking yeah. time. No, we, yeah, absolutely. What, that's what it was. We're, we're a... Um, we're a a lockdown business mm. um and so it was having the time to take stock and, and think what do we want to be doing and there was a i was i, I did at one point go right i want to go let's just go and live in france let's go and renovate a thing and start a charcuterie business and i was i was told that was a stupid idea it was a very extreme reaction to, <laughs> to what was going on and he's like, okay, i mean it's so a nice idea it was a lovely idea <laughs> um, but it was quite extremely involved <laughs> Um, to to well, they're, they're not they're before school, so that's not that bad. But two kids having to learn to speak French, we can move everybody over there. It was a little bit extreme, and the the, the less extreme version of that was to start the business here and to, to look to do it alongside what we we're doing, and then mm. launch it out as the as the main thing, um, which is what we did. So it was having the space to to go through that thought process that turned it from being a, a kind of long time hobby into into the business. Thing. Yeah. And how has it been since you started? It's love. It's it's in terms of um, what we're doing. It's, it's everything that I hoped it would be in terms of what it we're is. doing. So we're yeah. whether it's you know trying stuff, talking to people about things. It's amazing interacting with people at markets. The feedback loop that you get from people taking things away and trying them and coming back to you and saying I like this or or I'd like this to be more like this mm. is really cool. Um, it's a yeah, it's a really nice place to be. Uh, we're growing pretty nicely. We're working with some really lovely suppliers. We're also starting to work with some really lovely um, restaurants and delis and things like that. That's which cool. is, we're also a fantastic area for, for that. It's such a yeah. great food community around here. Yes, um, it's been it's been brilliant. And you've got people that understand food, um, you know, than some people more than others. I've certainly found that in my in my career. But um, obviously, you have a passion for charcuterie. Yeah. Did you always have a passion for charcuterie? Is this something that featured in your I childhood? I go back. Yeah, absolutely. I loved pepper army when I was little. <laughs> so, <laughs> I knew that. That's a um, great answer. <laughs> it's that's, but that's that's. I don't know. First, well, my first experience of charcuterie would have been pepper army. Um, my siblings first. Well, my siblings were big into Billy Bear. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you. I remember. You aware of yeah. Billy Bear, but Billy Bear is just a really. Um, uh, I don't know. It was a nice way to describe it because I was never into Billy Bear myself, so I don't feel the loyalty. But they were. I don't want to hurt their feelings. It's <laughs> it's like mortadella. It is um, like mortadella. It's an yeah. emulsified sausage mm. in in the shape of a bear's head. Mm. Um, so that we obviously had those kinds of charcuterie early on exposed to black pudding and things like that early mm. on so from that part of the country so those would be the early charcuterie memories not not so much of the stuff that that we do now but that that's really come on um as as people have you know people have got really into chorizo. so chorizo was you know everybody nobody knew about chorizo then everybody knows about chorizo mm. for everything and it's on everything now as well even the yeah. stuff that it shouldn't be on it's on um 
And now undo you is the one that everybody is. Yes. For the last sort of three, four years, everybody's like, I need undo you on everything. And every pizza in every supermarket has got undo you on it. It's one of those, if you ever see it, I I remember having this conversation with my niece, who at the time was about 10 or 11, and she was pronouncing it undo you. And I was like, no, it's nudia or something like that. You know, we were having a hilarious conversation about it. So that's how you pronounce it. Do you? Yeah. No. The one you. I mean, it might, I, I wouldn't go to me for any kind of pronunciation tips <laughs> That's on it. That's not or your speciality. In any language. No. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Did you find? I mean, have you travelled? It sounds like you have a quite a wide knowledge of charcuterie. Have you travelled to places and seen things that you like and think, oh, that would be great if I could do a Chilton version of that or my um, own version of that? I think you can. Well, you can get. You're always. When you, when you go out, when you travel, you're always looking for that kind of stuff if you're that way out. So, yeah, yeah we're going to go and try the, the Calabrian and do you where it belongs. But also, um, you know, living in... Well, living around here is it's a brilliant food scene. Living in London, you you know, knocking about outside the tube station, there's a... After football on a Saturday, there's a guy who sells um, various different Italian cured meats and he sells amazing and do you just mm. outside the tube archway. Yeah, just wow. in this rubbish, it's a terrible environment, <laughs> but he does it and it's great. Yeah. So it, it's, um, yeah, you you don't need to travel to get the inspiration for all the, the ideas. And, and so we get so much inspiration from where we are here that, that that's mainly where it's coming from. But yeah, you're always conscious of stuff when you, when you do travel and you see stuff. But there is as well, there's another side of it where some stuff belongs where it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and do you actually talk about that extensively? We do the and do your hour. But and do you for me is, is, <laughs> Is one that probably belongs. Um, it's like you know when you go to you go to a country with lots of sun and you eat a tomato and you think yeah. this is what a tomato is meant to taste like. Yeah, it's the same with and do you. You can't make and do you without a Calabrian chili, and you mm. can't make a Calabrian chili without Calabrian sunshine. Yeah, really for the for the true true flavour, you can't do it. No, you're um, you're spot on. I think you're right. I think the thing with you know being such a multicultural society and it's wonderful to see we do we're very lucky to benefit from people bringing with them their food culture to this country and then people replicating it, which is which is fascinating. And I do find it interesting because you don't necessarily get it. I mean, not that there. I mean, I think there is a British food culture, but it, you don't necessarily get it going the other way. I was in yes, um, Chinatown yesterday, uh, and I ended up having a very very in depth conversation with a guy of Chinese heritage that had been born in Hawaii lived in LA but loved the UK and bought two properties in Morocco during the pandemic without ever seeing them and he was going over there to cook for the people right. that had worked on you know so hard to get these properties he was going to cook Chinese food right. and he was there for he was in Chinatown buying the ingredients and I was like wow you know the, the Moroccans would they have you know ha- ever had exposure to Chinese food what a wonderful thing to do mm. in exchange but it's wonderful that you know we're now learning from other people as well isn't that I love that um so then you you do have a connection with, um, you know, cured meats from your childhood and yeah. a little bit from travels. Yeah. But you started doing it because you were intrigued. Mm-hmm. And then you moved into running your own business in 2021. Yeah. Like, wh- whereabouts is your business based? Uh, we're in we're, we're in between Maidenhead and Windsor. So we're in Bray. Bray's the, everybody knows the village of Bray because mm-hmm. it's wall-to-wall um, exclusive restaurant. It is, yes. Um, <laughs> and then there's a wider, there's a sort of wider parish which kind of goes down to the edge of Windsor, and we're in there. Ah, gotcha. And then you've got quite a range of products. What did you start with in terms of your product range? Uh, the f- I think the first thing that we sold was Brasaula. So it, mm. was, uh, it was an air-dried beef. We took that to uh, Maidenhead Farmer's Market and, and sold some of that. We also sold some spreadable salami, which was uh, was like a cured pate. Mm-hmm. So it, um, we make it in the same style as a sobrasata or an undo you, but we changed the flavour profile to reflect the fact that 
it's what works better with what we've got here in this area. Yeah, and, yeah. and we took those I think to Maidenhead the first time we we did anything, and that was where we that's where we started, and then everything else has been added on later. Gotcha. And then in terms of um, your popularity, uh, or not your popularity, the popularity of the products, yes, which is the most popular. More of that than. The other. <laughs> <laughs> What, which is the most popular product that you do? Um, I think it's it's probably still the two. Well, thing it's probably still the two that we we started off with. I think just the affinity that people have got for good beef in this country is, is crazy, mm. and I think it's also one area where we probably do it better than the original because you can't beat a bit of British beef, mm-hmm. and and because it's simply treated, and and it um, it dries pretty well in our conditions. I mean, even, you know, people really get into things like jerky now, which we don't do. It's not, um, sorry, not jerky, biltong is the one. Yes. Not, it's not what what we really do, but biltong made from British produce is mm. going to be, I mean, South African beef's amazing too, but. Mm, um, but you could, because the environment lends itself so well to it, yeah, you could make great. Yeah, we produce such good, mm. good, good, um, good, good stuff with beef that I think that's the really, really popular one. People make a beeline for beef, basically. And in terms of how people serve it, have you received feedback from the markets from people yeah. that have bought it? And yeah, then... I think yeah. There's a few. I we, we always so I'm 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 kind of let's eat charcuterie for meals. So I'm I'm encouraging people to have it as boards and also with with beef to do things like um, an alternative to a carpaccio. So just get mm. it and then find a really good local hard cheese and grate some of that over it. Maybe add some walnuts and some hazelnuts or something like that. Oh, they have cold pressed Buckinghamshire rapeseed oil is also delicious and, and deliciously nutty. So particularly yeah. good for that kind of thing. What a great combination. Um, yeah, it's lovely. So I, I sort of tend towards something like that or a, a salad that's using that. But there's this kind of um, hardcore of, of charcuterie buyers at markets who just want to get it, take the top off the packet, maybe find a beer and just eat the whole the whole <laughs> packet. There's quite a lot of that going on. When do, there's nothing wrong with that. Do you know, without the beer, my 14-year-old would fit into that bracket. Yeah, that's the... Yeah, yeah. That's sort <laughs> not, of not quite there with group. the beer. No, there's quite a lot of people's teenage sons are, are, are just devastating the, the charcuterie supply. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, he, he loves his... Uh, now, thank goodness, he does love his protein. Um, so uh, you've started selling in, obviously, directly through markets, mm-hmm. but you've also got these subscription packages, we, which we've yeah, benefited we from. Talk we to me do. a little bit about those. I think it's quite an unusual way, but maybe it's a usual way. Um, I don't know. No, I don't know. I, uh, yeah. I, I, I love think, it. Yeah, it's, it's sort of, I think it actually came from the idea that if going back sort of four or five years when we first started thinking about doing it as a business, one of the um, ways that we thought about doing it was just as a pure subscription business. I think subscription businesses at that point were maybe, um, there was a bit more de rigueur. They were like, there was lots of stuff popping up as subscription businesses. And I think that's maybe cooled off a little bit. Probably because um, of the pandemic, where people did move everything to sort of buying, you know, yeah, buying maybe, yeah, that way. Maybe, yeah, mm. it's um, so the idea was there for quite a long time, and and what we do with it now is it's just a way to get lots of different things in front of people and to give people a little bit of a surprise, um, maybe like a, a meal a, a week or a meal a month that's dead easy, and you can focus on just get the charcuterie out, put it on a board. Mm. And a charcuterie board, I mean, the, the Americans have kind of led this to a, a Pinterest, Instagram-y, uh, crazy place where it's so artfully done and you just think, that ah, would take me a million years. And I can't do anything like that. So you just open the packets, put them down, get some cheese, get some chutney, get some uh, nuts, get some fruit, get it on there and then spend the time talking and, mm. and enjoying the food instead of um, cooking. And yeah. so that's why people are getting into the subscription stuff. And we, we I think the, the idea is that we, we put something different into every subscription through the year. So the real challenge for us is when people take up 12-month ones and have <laughs> several packs. Different. And they're like, okay, so what's, 
what's product line number 36 going to be? That's going to be some, we're going to put some specials through just to keep it different for people. But that's the idea is that you're never going to get the same thing twice. And it means that you're trying local sort of hog it as the venison goes in there, the duck goes in there, the pork mm. goes in there and there's always something new to try. What a wonderful challenge to have though. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. The second half of this year for that's going to be, we're going to be curing some weird stuff. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just so new, isn't it? Yeah. It's just so wonderful. But it's pretty limitless, you know. Yeah. Yeah, venison takes fruit really nicely. So the, the stuff in the pipeline will be things like sour cherry going in stuff. And mm-hmm. there's all kinds of stuff you can do with um, fruit zest or fruit oil there's all kinds of stuff we won't run out of ideas no I, I, just while we're here because obviously on the the um, charcuterie board in front of yeah. us we have some meat we also have some cheese we do yeah I'm not do you suggesting want me to pass that back on oh please yeah. that's wonderful um, I'm not suggesting for a moment you start making your own cheese but the smoking of cheese is wonderful oh, yes. is that something that you might do a little bit more of I think we, we would only do it in insofar as it it, right. um, it was just good to go alongside the beef or, mm. or whatever meat for an occasion so if it made sense for us to to, to do to work with someone to do something, we're not going to make cheese. Um, it's super specialist, and that's another lifetime mm. to perfect that. So <laughs> if we and and they're also so I mean Marlowe um, Marlowe Cheese Company is awesome. Village made yeah. over near Reading are awesome. There's some great yeah. cheese producers. So just putting a bit of their stuff with our stuff um, sometimes is a good idea. Um, These go really well together, actually, don't they? Yeah, the beef. Well, the beef's not smoked. Sometimes we do. We do mm. smoke the beef, and that would be in in in, in the old language, brasaula affumicata. Okay. Um, and but you don't see very much of that, mm. um, and it is nice. It's really mm. nice. I think we've smoked some. Uh, to be fair, actually, when we smoke that cheese, we smoke some brasaula with it. So there will be some knocking about soon, but more often it's un, it's unsmoked. So it's quite nice to have the smoky cheese and the, mm. the unsmoked beef, and they work well. I love that. Absolutely delicious. I mean, just to the um, in fact, you could just taste so much from that beef. Yes. It's got so many different layers to it almost. It's, yeah, sort of it's, it's the age that goes into it. You almost mm. get the kind of, um, one of the reasons it goes so well with something like Parmesan is that as it ages, you start to get a little bit of almost a, a, a Parmesan-y flavour to the mm. beef as it ages. Um, yeah. And it and it ties it together. And, and you also get a different flavour across the slice. So yeah. you've got more of the cure around the edge and it's a little bit firmer and it's been exposed to the to the air. So you've got a different flavour. And also you get those kind of helpful moulds as well mm. that are bringing a little bit of flavour to the edge. Whereas on the inside it's just cured, but it's almost like a kind of rare steak. So it, yes. it's really nice to eat the whole, the whole thing and get the, get the, the almonds. Yeah, almonds I'm a big fan of those almonds. I'm not really big into with snacks. I'm mm. sort of the worst... The worst scum in the universe when it comes to snacks, in terms of just, you know, just give me the crisps. Mm. And I, and I find I've always found it really difficult to snack on nuts and fruits and all those kind of useful things that you should do. But these I could do. Yeah, I, they all, could draw you in. I'm with these. also because they've got a little bit of sweetness in there as well as mm. the smokiness. So they yeah. again contrast the sort of saltiness, don't yeah, they? That yeah, big big fun. Of love those. it, love it. Um, so obviously it's quite a young business. Mm-hmm. Started in 2021. A lot of the businesses I've had through here. Um, they established uh, themselves prior to the pandemic, and of course, the pandemic gave them a lot mm. of challenges. Now, obviously, you've been a result of the pandemic, yeah. but have there still been some challenges? Do you think, as a result of the pandemic, or do you think you've taken advantage of riding the wave while it was there? Um, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's made a difference to us one way or the other. To be honest, I, I think getting getting launched and, and and using markets as a launch pad. Um, there were a lot of market managers and market runners who, who worked really hard to keep the show on the road through mm. the pandemic. And, and they did enormous amounts of work. And, and they're all volunteers as well. So yeah. refitting markets to, to have distancing, bringing in risk assessments to make everybody feel safe. 
Um, so they did vast amounts of work to keep those things going. And, and the reward of that for the people um, that were trading, and also for people who were locked down all the time, is that you had somewhere to go where you could walk around, see some stuff, and yeah. kind of have a bit of a life. Yeah. So they, they did this really amazing service during, um, during lockdown, and the markets were therefore kind of still running. When we came into the markets, I meant there was something... Um, where we could get launched, which was really good. Yeah, an established um, framework for you. Yeah, no, it was really cool. So we 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 didn't um, we didn't suffer at all from the pandemic. We did because we weren't running an original business model that had to be refitted. Mm-hmm. If we were doing it now, as we starting to trade more with pubs and restaurants, mm-hmm. then obviously that would impact the business, and we would have to um, shuffle around that. That would be tricky. I think a lot of people had to, to work really hard around that. But mm. we were we were fortunate in a sense that we came in after we didn't have the problems of bigger businesses because we were so small that's that brilliant point. that's brilliant though isn't it and then of course you've managed to to grow as i think markets have started to grow and yeah i know we've got you know the marlow market here which is now doing twice a month rather than just the once yeah, a month it's, which is it's, amazing it's all the time isn't it mm. in the crescent is that's a nice market like yeah and you do that one as well don't do you? you yeah well come on to that i think one it's one really of my important. favorites Oh, there you go. See, not from, <laughs> yeah, a, not from a parking point of view. No, <laughs> that's. Uh, I might be able to give you some inside knowledge. Oh, there. brilliant! Uh, so, uh, um, and what about um, one of the questions I often ask businesses, food businesses that come here, is that what they're doing around their kind of green credentials? Mm-hmm. You know, what you're doing to become more environmentally friendly. Um, what would you would you say in response to that? Sure. Uh, well, in, in the in the majority of, uh, of of things that we do, we're. W- we naturally tick a lot of boxes because we're sourcing local produce mm. and because it's um, rare or heritage breeds, it tends to be reared in small quantities. Yeah. There's no real kind of industrial farming going into what we're doing and everything is travelling a very short distance. Mm. So um, in terms of food miles, it ticks a lot of boxes. In terms of animal welfare, it ticks a lot of boxes. Uh, portion sizes with charcuterie are, are lower. Yeah. You don't need to eat as much meat to get the protein. Obviously, it's dried, so mm. it's not necessarily coming from that much less product, but it does, it fills you up quite quickly. Yeah, it does. So it, it, we tick in a lot of those boxes. I think in terms of um, where we can improve, everything around vacuum packing, we can, uh, we'll hopefully get the plastic out of that eventually. There are uh, increasingly solutions to do that without plastics. So, oh, fantastic. I didn't know about that. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, they're pretty reasonably expensive and, mm-hmm. and, and they're not available in the, the range of things that you would need to pack a whole product line but yeah i think that would be one area that we can do a little bit more in. that's great though that you're recognizing that already in such a young business it's a, a tough thing to you know what area to work through and i think, I you, think yeah but market markets push you to that so mm. almost every market now that you go to is putting pressure on stallholders and good pressure yeah to, to reduce the the environmental impact of what they're doing so yeah. the whole food community around these things it's pushing in that direction. It, it makes you think about it. But as you say, at the very core of it, the the, the produce that you're using isn't travelling far, and it's done yeah, small. Well, yeah. You know, it's small farming. It's not great big, great scale industrial scale farming. You might say this is the way that food's meant to be. Yes, um, I agree. And that's uh, yeah, fortunately where we find mm. ourselves. So um, let's just take a brief pause. But I'd love to find out what your plans are for the future across the Thames Valley. One more time across the Thames Valley. This. This is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Welcome back. This is me, Jenny Tushy, and this is Let's Do Lunch. And today we are talking with Alex from Cured, all about charcuterie, We're even tasting some absolutely delicious products. Now, we talked a lot about where your food comes from, where the ingredients for your produce comes from. Um, but I'd love to ask you a little bit about what your plans are for the future, because you've grown so quickly. Um, well, yeah, it's... Um 
it's it's kind of well it's a few things one one thing is it's um a little bit more of the same we're trying we're trying to add some more meat products on um the range is looking re- really good now but there's still a couple of new things that have got to come in mm-hmm. um which will re- reveal when they're ready i guess um but we're also looking at what we can put alongside them to, to build out our boards. So oh, not, yeah. not, cheese, not getting into the cheese business, but yes. getting into curing or preserving other types of things that work well with what we do, but that, that have a, they're a little bit niche, just not doing exactly the same thing as, you know, there's, there's plenty of people doing some really amazing stuff. We don't need to copy, but if we can do some accompaniments, things like, um, I don't know, the, the Italian word that's the, was it uh, Giardinieri? Something like that. So just preserving um, vegetables and things like that that will oh, work well gosh. with the boards. Oh, um, that's a nice idea. Yeah, that should be nice. Um, we'll, we'll add that to what we're doing. And then it's more collaborations as well. We, we, we're working with some really cool um, delis where we're producing products just for them. Mm-hmm. So kind of um, their own label, salami or whatever it is. Wow, um, And that's, that's cool. a really fun process of, yeah. of creating those products with the owners who've got a vision for uh, what their brand is all about and what their customer base wants where they are um so developing those products with them to bring to them bring something a little bit different to their customers is, is is a cool thing that we're doing um festivals as well it's gonna be a big year for festivals we're yeah i'm so excited all over the south um, <laughs> encouraging people to eat charcuterie on the grass yeah yeah wonderful yes i'm very pleased that the food festivals are back now if people want to keep in touch with what's going on because it's such an exciting time for you as a business how can they do that well, uh, the first the first and best place, I guess, is um, breakyard.com, mm-hmm. where uh, we are uh, listing all the products, but also committing to producing a little bit more content. So we're going to put our boards on there and show how we put that together and talk a little bit about how we make things. Brilliant. Um, this year, we'll hopefully have the time to do that. Last year, it was just cure. I think we, we were signing people up to an email list um, at markets in return for a discount that we never sent them an email yeah it's yeah just, well that's a just, classic <laughs> I, I told them that at the time I said don't worry about signing enjoy the discount we, we'll never send you an email because yeah. we're never going to get to <laughs> we're it. never going to bother but you. speaking of which if you sign up for the email list you do get a discount and then i never email you so yay it's, it's, it's quite, the best kind of email it's, list it's a very yeah. good email list to be on from that point of view and you can sign up for that when you um you get on the home page at breakyard.com brilliant. we're also like every other food business in the world on instagram so go and find us there and send us pictures of you know what you've put on your charcuterie board or i always love to see what people do with it it's the, the most most fun yeah what's the what's the most curious thing if, if that anyone's ever done um oh, what's there's there was um there's a guy who um he took a load of it on holiday with him to norwich and he makes these um crazy boards of which everything that he makes he's made way too much food so he you put four or five bits of charcuterie on a board with a vast quantity of other stuff, and you're just like, I can't believe you're even going to try and eat all of that. <laughs> then he does the before and after, and he, in fact, has eaten it all. It's quite remarkable. Wow. So not in terms of uh, weird things to do with it. I think I'm glad just quantity. people are just, yeah, people enjoying it in a, in a good way, but this guy, yeah, just quantity-wise, that Took blew it to my another mind level. a little bit. <laughs> um, is there anything else you think our listeners should know about your business, your products? Um, no, I'd, I'd love to see people at market. I think the, the best thing... The best thing about the business, I think, um, and, and being in this business is is being part of people's food experiences. Mm. That's the, the absolute best. So when you get into Christmas and you know that people are buying things because it's going to be a gift, mm. or if, you know Father's Day, Mother's Day is being given as a gift, or even when it's just people, um, you know, they, they they buy a couple of bo- uh, packs from your market and say, "Oh, that's dinner tonight," and and they're mm. you know they're going to plan a really nice dinner around the board, and it's so cool to be part of people's food experiences. That's the best thing. So. Yeah, come and meet us at a market and 
enjoy some stuff and tell yeah. us what you did with it and that's that's um, the best which thing. markets are you at uh marlo um marlo were there the first saturday of the month yeah. um we're at chiswick two or three times a month at, at duke's meadow ah. um going back to we, where we used to we used to live in hammersmith so it's the drive back down the m4 back to where we used to be know it well um yeah that drive um <laughs> amazing drive um, we do Maidenhead down in the you know the um, exclusive surroundings of the Grove Road car park. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to hit that <laughs> one up, um, we do Henley um, a couple of times a month. We're at Henley, uh, Windsor we do as well, and um, a couple of others. Spencer's Wood, there's a nice fun one at Spencer's Wood that we go to sometimes. Caversham we appear at that too. So and so people would be able to find out where you're going to be based on your Instagram that's when you uh, tend to post is there. It? also if you, if you Google us we have our, our Google Places account has been cleverly configured to oh, show clever. that we are uh, where we are when we're there mm. so if you look at our opening hours it'll say we're in Windsor here the, this time we're in Henley at this time that, that's really useful isn't it because people might run out and might want to come back they might very well run out but not if you subscribe if you subscribe exactly. you'll never run out <laughs> and the other thing of course is if you just suddenly realise you're going to have friends for dinner it'd be nice to know oh where can I get that to make Absolutely. that lovely show Could you and it's free local delivery so if you're in this neck of the woods and, and your friends are coming for dinner and you have a serious emergency, then just ring us up and we will solve your problem with charcuterie. We went to some friends for dinner on Saturday and they did exactly that. Mm. We had like sort of this shared charcuterie board to start with with drinks and then we had the main course. And then it was like just so simple. And yeah. I just think that's what it's for. You don't want to be slaving over the stove, do you, when you've got people coming? Yes, but if you're doing multiple courses as well, it, it, it's a good idea to... to bank a course that Make one has no effort in it and you <laughs> can concentrate on the main course here. I love that right so we are on to our quick fire questions All right. um, what would be so your <laughs> death row meal your last meal on earth uh, if I was cooking it myself lasagna if I was getting it from a restaurant um, the glazed had a at the hand of flowers oh I'm so with you there uh, which four people would you invite to a fantasy dinner party and why yeah. Um, I go to my medieval historian roots so this, I want to get um, Richard the Lionheart mm-hmm. and King John and, yeah. and, and solve the problem of whose fault it really was because I had to study that for years and it was just people arguing backwards and forwards in books I'd like to get them both there and find out who is really um, a bad guy uh, bring their mum as well Eleanor Rackleton she was particularly interesting she's like patron of the arts and culture and things Yeah. so she can bring that side of the conversation uh, and who are, is it four people? Four people, a, yeah. Guest. Do I count as one of the four? Would you know you'd have an extra guest, so um, you'd be five then, in total. Then I, whoever is the mythical or real uh, figure of whoever King Arthur is, then I can find out. Yeah. And so then I can then I'll know. And I you can, want some I, answers, don't you? I want, I want to find out. And I can write a book. Yeah. With all this thing, I, and you know, this dinner party that I had that actually solved a lot of unanswered historical questions. <laughs> put it out there. And make a lot of money. As yeah, well. again, yeah, dual mm. career. Um, who's your favourite chef? Uh, the one, who, who, the most, the most impactful one, uh, John Campbell. John um, Campbell. Yeah, he has a restaurant here, um, Newbury. Oh, okay. And and he he wrote this really amazing book called Formulas for Flavour about mm-hmm. building up um, kind of restaurant style meals at home. This is like before. Before things like Great British Menu, where people really started to get into doing that at home, it made it really easy for you to create amazing stuff at home um, using this thing. And, it, and, it, and the book gave you lots of jumping off points. It was a really inspirational book. Wow, um, I'll have to get made that. Made a big difference in terms of how I cooked. So, and what, yeah, John Campbell. What's his restaurant in? Uh, the Woodspeen. 
The wood spoon. Mm. Right. Okay. That's now on my radar. I love this bit of my uh, my job. I get to write yeah, down all this fantastic. <laughs> right. That's going next. <laughs> um, so, what is your favourite restaurant? Is is it his? Or no, I haven't actually been. I've not no, been no. There. That's <laughs> just the thing, love his book. It, yeah. No, I love. I absolutely love the book. And then when we moved out here, I thought actually we might be quite near there now. Mm. And then, but it's just Newbury, so it's never we've never quite got there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but favourite other. There's a there's an Italian restaurant that was round the corner from us when we were living in uh, West London called Chibo, and they they really lovely um, home cooked traditional Italian type food, but with a it's just amazing. It's in Olympia, uh, everything's delicious. Uh, uh, Pliny di Vitello, like little um, veal filled uh, truffle pasta is amazing. Wow. Duck ravioli. Is it on is the it, main road? It's on. It just- um, if you uh, do you know Olympia? Yeah. Yeah, so you, you'd come out of the Olympia. There's a crossover from Olympia, come out of the station. Yeah. And then it's it's on, um, it's opposite a shisha bar in between Holland Road, which goes up to Westfield. Mm-hmm. And the the roads are kind of out the back of Olympia. So okay. you, you'd go up Holland, is it Holland Road, Holland Park Road. It's around the corner from Brian Mays. I know you are. Kind of stuff. I know where you are. Yeah. This is an amazing restaurant. Wow. Okay. Been for years and years and years. And, and is there one, that, a restaurant that you haven't eaten at that you'd like to eat at? I need to go to the Woodspoon. I think. Yeah. yeah that's, the, <laughs> that's the obvious answer. Yeah. Do you know what? It's been absolutely brilliant today. I feel like we could have talked for longer, um, but thank you very much, not only for being here, not only for bringing produce, but also for sharing your story. I think well, people find it interesting, don't they? I hope so. But if they didn't, then they've turned off and it didn't hurt them <laughs> at all. So, you know, if if the ones that are still with us, presumably did um, well done and then, <laughs> for yeah. staying well no i mean maybe even you, they've got a lot of value out of it so you're, and you know wel- what? you're welcome guys I, I really have um you know as even as a foodie i know i'm very lucky to have lived in france and i've lived in australia and i've traveled quite a lot and i love the idea that we should have regions to mm. our food we should be able to taste where we are in the food that we eat wherever we are in the uk Absolutely. and the first concept that you brought to bear here right in right here in the studio with your produce and your story and your background and your business was exactly that and it's so refreshing so thank you very much for sharing that well, absolutely welcome thanks for having me and um thanks for the bit at the start where i where I was yeah parking, <laughs> you weren't here it's already happened to me I was once before. In the hallway actually for a good couple of minutes it's the right place thanks, <laughs> where for, thanks for covering that <laughs> well there you go that is live radio right here right now um thank you everyone for listening today um this is let's do lunch and it's going out via river radio if you have enjoyed what you've heard today do click on the let's do lunch uh, podcast on google or apple or spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts and if you would love to give us a five-star review that would be very very welcome so thank you in advance for that thank you very much alex for coming in and i'm going to play you out with a very relevant song uh food glorious food of course it's got to be relevant (laughs) 